This is the Rubber Soul Panel Podcast, spotlighting the commentary used in the public radio documentary, Isn't It Good? The Beatles' Rubber Soul, an in-depth exploration of the Beatles' landmark 1965 album, Rubber Soul. The entire program can be heard on your public radio station if they carry it, feel free to ask them to, or online at the public radio exchange, prx.org. That's prx.org. I'm Paul Ingalls, host and producer of the show. If you signed up for our free podcast, we hope you enjoy it and at least stick around at its end to hear about how to make a tax-deductible donation to a nonprofit radio organization that produces a program we think the Beatles would have dug and that it explores peace and love. More on that in a minute, but here's this episode of the Rubber Soul Panel Podcast. The Beatles just had a wonderful collaboration with their producer, George Martin, uh, and they were always stretching the boundaries of what they could do in the studio. And at the same time, they were stretching the boundaries of what you could do in a song. And it was one of the last albums where Lennon and McCartney really wrote some songs together like they used to when they started. When they wrote all those amazing songs in 1963, they'd sit nose to nose, as, as they said, and write together. And there are songs on, uh, on Rubber Soul which reflect that and, and very powerfully reflect the different natures uh, a beautiful song like Michelle. That was a song uh, McCartney had. It was a little French song that he would play at parties. And when it came time to put together another album, they started drawing from everything. And Lennon said, what happened to that little French song? And he picked it out, and he wrote some words. But it was Lennon who wrote the uh, I Love You, I Love You, I Love You, which is really the visceral uh, core of the song and really bringing a more bluesy, visceral edge to McCartney's sweetness. And so their two natures as songwriters were always beautifully, beautifully blended. I think to hear a little bit of French in Michelle um, when I was a boy probably struck me as the most urbane, sophisticated thing that could, that could ever be. Michelle, my belle, Sunday mots qui vont très bien ensemble, très bien ensemble. I probably thought that, okay, you know, those guys I saw in A Hard Day's Night, they are grown up. Now they're they're speaking different languages. Of course, by that time we knew that the Beatles put out their Christmas singles and and Christmas greetings in different languages also. But, you know, this was kind of, uh, you know, right off the Chandelier type. You know, you could see McCartney sort of uh, being a bon vivant and strolling down the Chandelier with his girlfriend and dashing off a few lines in French. Um, I probably loved it. And then you have, of course, Paul McCartney, the great uh, master of pop music, writing a song like Michelle, which, uh, like so many people at that time, he was connecting with French pop and translating it for uh, English-speaking audience. Uh, and I think that's just a beautiful classic song that we can never forget. I mean, Michelle is, is, is more than just the use of some little French words in there. I mean, it is. it sounds like a French pop tune. It has components of French pop in it, uh, and much to their credit uh, and George Martin's credit, they didn't sort of beat us over the head with it. It's just a sort of little subtle nod to to French pop culture. You know, Michelle is the kind of song that people think is very easy to write, and yet no one else writes those songs. These are the kind of things that people who like to take pot shots at McCartney use as ammunition, and they don't really know how foolish they sound when they do that, because Michelle is just a great pop song. 
And so McCartney writes this lovely descending bass rift, which McCartney thought was one of the greatest things he he had written up until that point, the way that, that the introduction begins. Paul McCartney as bassist is so influenced by, like, James Jamerson, a Motown bassist. You can listen to Michelle and hear that beautiful singing and the melody and the French words, but if you just listen to the bass playing, you realize there's bass players in these rock and roll bands. You start realizing there's uh, there's isolated instruments that you could pick up on, and by Rubber Soul, um, you really start focusing on the group blend and the individual's coherently working together. Our comments on Michelle started off with writer and musician Paul Zolo. Jim Fusilli of the Wall Street Journal was remembering hearing the French in Michelle back when he was a kid. NPR Music's Ann Powers pitched in there too, as did Scott Fryman and music producer and author Harvey Kubernick, all right before Michelle. Copyright restrictions prevent us from using more than just a few seconds of Beatles music in this documentary work on the podcast, but obviously you can hear the music in this special online at the Public Radio Exchange, prx.org. That's prx.org, or on your local public radio station, or, of course, on your own copy of Rubber Soul, available for purchase everywhere you'd expect. If you're digging the podcast, we're going to ask you to visit another site online to show your appreciation, and that's peacetalksradio.com, peacetalksradio.com. And consider making a tax-deductible donation in any amount to help support another radio program that explores peace and love. It's the only series about peacemaking and nonviolent conflict resolution. Let me be clear that the Beatles have not endorsed it formally, although we once got an email from Ringo Starr's management complimenting us on the work, and Yoko Ono was interviewed for a Peace Talks radio episode about her and John's peace work. So it's a good project to help to show your appreciation for this free podcast. Again, visit peacetalksradio.com and consider making a donation. And enjoy the rest of the series, The Rubber Soul Panel Podcast. I'm Paul Ingalls.